Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up on the Africa Women's Cup of Nations qualifiers as four teams made it for the first time to the finals. Also, we go to Ghana, where Black Stars legend Suli Muntari has returned back home to the Ghana Premier League, where he's playing for Hearts of Oak at the age of 37. Also, Stuart on the EFL Cup final with Chelsea playing Liverpool on Sunday. That's coming later, but first I'm in Zimbabwe, Ida's in Kenya, as I was saying, and on Thursday evening we had news that both countries were suspended by FIFA. We had uh, to suspend two of our member associations, Kenya and Zimbabwe, both for government interference in the activities of uh, the football associations, so these associations are suspended from all footballing activities with immediate effect and uh, they know what needs to be done for them for the suspension to be lifted that's the fifa president gianni infantino so both zimbabwe and kenya have been suspended from playing international football at national team and at club level also from participating in international activities such as training courses and from receiving fifa development funds Uh, so let's start with you ida why has kenya been suspended Well, Steve, while it's unfortunate, it's definitely not surprising. And I'll give an example of Kenya. The government interference was evident for all to see. Steve, the government actually disbanded the local football association. It didn't even liaise with FIFA, maybe to even see, you know, if a normalization committee would be set up, but instead took it upon itself to appoint one led by a judge. It then went ahead to assure the country's citizens, you know, that it was in constant communication with FIFA and CAF. Yet, Steve, as we just talked about last week, the women's national team was withdrawn from the Auckland qualifiers, you know. So it really has been going from bad to worse. For me, it's the stakeholders, you know, who really feel the effects of the suspension. There was to be an under-17 World Cup qualifiers. That's no more. Referees, for example, can't even take part in international events. Locally-based players, Steve, can't complete transfers. And FIFA has put up certain criteria that the government must meet. You see, for the suspension to be revoked, including more or less reinstating football back in the hands of the original FA. Right, Okay. Well, here in Zimbabwe, the FIFA ban follows the government-appointed Sports and Recreation Commission's suspension of the Zimbabwe FA board last November. Uh, FIFA say, as they have all along, that the SRC must reinstate the suspended ZIFA board. And they also objected, among other things, to the ZIFA president being barred from travelling to the Africa Cup of Nations at the insistence of the Sports and Recreation Commission and also to uh, the ZIFA president and three board members uh, 
being summoned to court by the SRC and accused of misuse of Zifa letterheads during their suspension. The government-appointed SRC said all along that they were willing to pay the price of a suspension if it's going to help to sort out the issues in Zimbabwean football. And they set up a restructuring committee last December to run for a year. Uh, so we'll see what's going to happen then uh, with Zimbabwe and Kenya and uh, with these FIFA suspensions. Let's go to the qualifiers now for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations, with the final round of qualifiers having been held over the past few days. Twelve teams will take part at the finals in Morocco in July. The top four qualify for the 2023 Women's World Cup. While Nigeria beat Ivory Coast 3-0 on aggregate, Cameroon were 10-1 winners over the Gambia on aggregate, and South Africa beat Algeria 3-1 over the two legs. Burundi qualified for the first time, beating Djibouti 11-1 on aggregate. Botswana qualified for the first time too. It was 3-3 with Zimbabwe, but Botswana took it on away goals. And Togo and Burkina Faso also qualifying for the first time, so there'll be four newcomers at the finals in Morocco. Uh, Zambia qualified for a fourth time after a 1-1 away draw with Namibia that put them through on away goals. Senegal beat Mali on penalties to end a 10-year absence from the finals. And Tunisia and Uganda were the other teams to qualify. So what stood out for you there, Ida? Well, let me start with Nigeria and a truly iconic feat, you know, their 12th consecutive Orkin appearance and a chance to defend that title, you know, that they won in 2018. And Steve, I think it was only last week that we were talking about how some of the Super Falcon fans are so used to seeing the team qualifying for the Orkin, you know, that they view it almost as a birthright. (laughs) And for the team to pull through, even without superstar Asisat Oshoala, must give them some level of confidence. It is a boost, you know, that they can do it even without the best. The Ivorians did have moments, I will give them that, when they pushed the Falcons, but that 3-0 scoreline at the end of the day does look very convincing. And Steve, the trajectory of women's football in Zambia has personally been a joy to watch, you know, and I know the Orkin qualifiers perhaps weren't their best showing, you know, but qualifying for a fourth Orkin just after a maiden Olympics, I mean, wow, kudos to the Copper Queens. And looking at South Africa, well, coach Desiree Ellis did take note, you know, of the team's poor finishing. And yes, granted, they did qualify, but They'll definitely have to bring their A-game, I think, if they want to win their first ever Orchid. Now, Steve, remember that Banyana Banyana have been runners-up five times. And I am sure that they'll be quite desperate, you know, to shed off that tag. On the flip side, you know, you look at some of the teams that have made it for the first time and you see exactly what it means to them. You know, you mentioned Burundi and Botswana there. Looking at Botswana, for example, it's only the second time, you know, that a Botswana senior football team has qualified for a continental competition. In 2012, it was the men's team that qualified for the Afghan. And amazing for Senegal as well. And who knows, you know, they might borrow some inspiration, you know, from the men's team going all the way in Cameroon, you know, and make their first appearance in a decade at the Orkin, you know, really count. 
and of course a chance for Africa's highest ever number of teams in the FIFA Women's World Cup, courtesy of the expansion. Steve, I can't wait. Can July get here already? <laughs> yes, and the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals on in July in Morocco should be exciting. And now the two-day Africa Schools Champions Cup was held last weekend in Kinshasa in DR Congo. This was a tournament promised last year by the CAF president Patrice Motsepe. It did happen, but there were pictures circulating on social media comparing a Senegal player with a DRC player who looked way over the age limit of 15. I must emphasize that these are only rumors, but again it did raise the issue of alleged age cheating in African football and was cause for concern. But on the positive side, Patrice Motsepe did what he said he would in launching this tournament, the Africa Schools Champions Cup. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we're heading to Ghana, where Black Stars legend Suleiman Tari is back home, having joined Accra Hearts of Oak, who drew 0-0 with Asante Kotoko last weekend in the biggest game in club football in Ghana. Muntari is 37. He won the UEFA Champions League with Inter Milan, the English FA Cup with Portsmouth, and he played at three World Cups. I'm joined by Betty Yorson in Accra. Uh, Betty, why did Muntari entirely go back home and what do the fans think about his return all right, thank you very much, Steve. So in 2019, when Sule Muntari ended his contract with Alba Sente, he had been clubless since. And last season, there were rumors that Sule was joining Accra House of Folk because he was spotted a couple of times training with Accra House of Folk. But that um, deal never materialized. And so this season, he was once again spotted training with Accra House of Folk. And then, I mean, it was confirmed that he has joined the, the Rainbow Club on a on a one year deal and I must say that his coming to Accra House of Oak has really, um, though Accra House of Oak is one of the biggest clubs in Ghana, it has also shot up in terms of the expectatorship and the marketing wise, it has really projected the club in the country. Now, especially in their super clash against Kumasi Asante Kotoko, most of the old players like Steven Apia and the rest were at the Accra Sports Stadium just to watch Sule Muntari. And so it has really created some kind of vibe and um, aura around Accra Hasufu. But unfortunately, I think um, when legends join clubs like Accra Hasufu or Kumasi Asante Kotoko, because of their rivalry, we don't really appreciate the uh, presence in the league. It's all about rivalry and since Sule Muntari joined Accra Hasufu, I must say that we have not really appreciated the fact that he's adding, aside the experience, he's also projecting the club and also marketing the club not only um, in Ghana, but also internationally. But it has been I mean, this rivalry thing and people creating all sort of jokes and teasing um, Sule Muntari when he makes list, a list mistake on the field of play. And so that's basically how um, his coming has been like. I remember when a Samoyan also joined Legon Cities um, last season. I mean, people really didn't appreciate, football fans didn't really appreciate his presence in the league. But he was teased 
for the slightest mistake that he make and you you know Samwajan is quick tempered and so mostly he reacts to most of the the fans I mean criticisms and all that and that's exactly the same thing that Sule Ali Muntari is facing I think that this would draw or would drive a lot of football legends away from coming back to the local scene when they are clubless and they are not getting any club to to play because when they come and they join maybe House of or Kotoko because of the rivalry we don't really analyze the importance of their presence and how their presence have added up to the I mean the selling or the marketing of the Ghana Premier League when he joined there were a lot of international portals that actually wrote stories announcing that Asule Mutari had joined a Ghanaian club Accra Hasufuk and all that this is also selling the Ghana Premier League but unfortunately most football fans are not seeing it in that direction. They only enjoy it in the trolls and the banter and the criticisms for the least mistake that he makes. And they've forgotten that um, the Sulemuntari Muntari renew in, in 2010, 2006, 2014 is no more the Sulemuntari Muntari now. He, now you will use more of experience and not speed. And so I remember their last game against olympics Accra great olympics he was being marked by steven appears son and i mean that became a troll for the their arch rivals that kumati asante kotoko that um Sule Muntari could not um control steven appears son and all that so that that is how basically it's it's not up to the fun but i think sometimes they go overboard and i i just have a feeling that probably these legends might not be enjoying this so much rules for football fans with regards to their presence in the Ghana Premier League. Right, so uh, Sully Mantari not getting the rousing reception uh, all the time from the fans that you might expect with his return to Ghana. It's unusual to see African stars in Europe returning home to end their playing careers. We heard there from Betty that Asamoa Jan returned to Ghana last season. Also, Ahmed Musa returned to play in the Nigerian League a couple of seasons ago, and he was the Super Eagles captain at the time. Uh, still with us is Ida Waringa in Nairobi. Uh, what do you think about big-name players going back home, Ida? And uh, would it be good, maybe, to see it happening more often? Well, that's a tricky one, and it's very dependent on the context, Steve, because somehow, you know, when European players, for example, go around the world playing for different clubs, then go back home to retire, I mean, it's rarely looked upon as a bad thing, you know, not unless maybe they join an especially lowly club. But in Africa, it's viewed differently. Now, is it a bad thing? Who's to say? Is it unusual? I'll definitely give it that. But look, in Brazil, for example, we've had several legends have at some point, you know, gone back home to play or retire. We remember Ronaldinho, you know, playing for Flamengo. The likes of Roberto Carlos, Rivaldo, at some point all went back home. But back to Muntari, and uh, in as much as he might be a bit rusty on the pitch, as you've heard, it is said that fans are going absolutely wild for him. And it's definitely increased the profile of the matches, at least for now. And apparently, Muntari even lost his phone, you know, in the midst of being swarmed by fans after the game against Kotoko. And his move back to Ghana has actually even been lauded by the likes of Al Ali coach Pitsomo Semane, you know, who's called Muntari a legend. So let's see how things go. 
Well, thanks, Ida. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Would you like to see more African stars coming back home? So we heard about a Ghana legend Suleiman Tari's return to play for Accra Hearts of Oak in Ghana at the age of 37, but not many African stars decide to go home to end their careers. So would you like to see it happening more? And also, which players would you love to have returning to your country? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Would you like to see more African stars coming back home, and in particular, which players would you love to have returning to your country to finish off their careers? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, a steward on the English Premier League and the EFL Cup final, Chelsea Liverpool, to look forward to on Sunday. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show any time and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. In the blog section, there, Russ Bravo writes about the best foundation for the biggest challenge: reflections on the Africa Cup of Nations and how these tournaments are a big test of character. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you click on the blog section. Well, to social media now. And last week we asked who will win the UEFA Champions League. The knockout stage started with some interesting games, with Paris Saint-Germain getting a stoppage time win over Real Madrid, who looked below their best. Manchester City and Liverpool both had good away wins, while Bayern Munich snatched a late draw. So we asked, who do you think will win the competition? And we had a huge response on this one, with many predictions. And let's start with Le Madrien in Cameroon, who goes for Real Madrid, while Wizzo in Sierra Leone thinks it's going to be Manchester United. Syrup in Ghana got in touch and said Chelsea are going to win it back to back. And the Blues had a two-nil first leg win over Lille on Tuesday.、Uh, Felix Kweku Nate says the Blues Chelsea will definitely maintain it. While Omosul Samuel in Nigeria says we remain the team to beat. Up Chelsea. And Orisa Glory is another Chelsea fan in Nigeria, hoping for back-to-back Champions League titles. Mahmoud Kamara in Sierra Leone thinks Chelsea will win it. And George Christopher in Nigeria says if Chelsea get through the knockout stage up to the final. We're going to be winning it again. Also predicting the Blues, Caleb Collins Kipps in Kenya and Nahorn Azeris Senai in Ethiopia also tipping Chelsea. Now Belong Baji in the Gambia's prediction is: I think Manchester City can win the Champions League. They're systematically good and clinical. That's why they deliver. I wish my Liverpool to win it, but they quickly lose possession and don't regain it quickly enough. Says Belong. And Daniel Tanko in Nigeria also says Manchester City will carry it. Newton Okuazu in Nigeria says the same. And Tahiru Yakubu says Manchester City for the first time. And in Kenya too, Nelson Kibet is a fan, saying Man City all the way. Aliou Ba in the Gambia thinks Real Madrid will make a comeback, and Thomas Carbco in Sierra Leone's comment is: Will any team ever again achieve the Champions League treble as Real Madrid did? Yes, that was an amazing three straight titles for Los Blancos from 2016 to 2018. 
Dandy Apam in the UK also goes for Real Madrid, and we heard from some Liverpool fans too. Ido Renian Akpan in Nigeria says Liverpool will make it seven titles. Daniel Mading in South Sudan says Liverpool will definitely win the competition. Uh, Madu Francis in Nigeria says it's either Liverpool or Liverpool. And、uh, Mukolanisa Mukolanisa in Kenya is also going for the Reds. Then Maxwell Carlos Johnson in Liberia is tipping Manchester United, and Goody Good in Nigeria says Harry Maguire to lift the trophy, while Takoa Hussein Sheku says Manchester United again.、Uh, then Ben Gusa in Rwanda says it's Paris Saint-Germain. It's our time now, and Amitajan Arbalde also thinks PSG can take the Champions League title for the first time. On the other hand, Hyper Jessica and Aserna Johannes in Ethiopia both think Bayern Munich will win the trophy. And finally, David Mendy in the Gambia predicts that an English team will win again. And that's a fair summary、uh, from David. Many predictions with Man City, Chelsea, and Liverpool coming out the most popular. Well, thanks a lot for all of those contributions, and are、uh, always great to hear from you. Well, now to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK, and the EFL Cup final is on Sunday. Chelsea playing Liverpool.、Um, Stuart, how important is this game to Liverpool, given that the Premier League title race was opened up somewhat with、uh, Man City losing to Tottenham in that epic game last weekend, and then Liverpool thrashing Leeds on Wednesday? Well, there's no doubt that the League Cup is a long way the third in importance of the domestic trophies. But I think this year both Chelsea and Liverpool have strong reasons for wanting to win it. While both clubs have won the Champions League in recent years and Liverpool won the Premier League in 2020, you have to go back to 2012 for the other trophy that Liverpool have won. Chelsea won the Premier League in 2017 and the FA Cup in 2018. So again, it's four years since they won a domestic trophy. And of course, the unique thing about the League Cup is it's the trophy you win mid-season as opposed to at the end. Many top Premier League clubs select a weak team in cup competitions, preferring to rest their top players for League or Champions League. But I think we'll see both teams putting out pretty much their strongest team, and it could be an epic encounter. From a player's point of view, it's an opportunity for the likes of Edouard Mendy. To get his first domestic medal in England, and from Mosala, Sergio Mani, and Joel Matip, they've had very successful careers at Liverpool. But in terms of domestic medals, they only have that 2020 League Championship to show. And I think the game could go either way. And one intriguing question is whether Romelu Lukaku will start for Chelsea. Lukaku. You may recall scored three goals in his first four games this season, but has not scored since December. And in Saturday's game at Crystal Palace, in the entire first half, Lukaku touched the ball twice, and one of those was the kick-off to start the game. He was left out of the team for the midweek Champions League game, with manager Thomas Tuchel saying, "Our focus in the Champions League against Lille was high intensity, high speed." Hard work on and off the ball. Romelu struggled in the last games to deliver that, and it's not the moment after the Crystal Palace game where he was criticised with focus on very few touches to put him straight back into the firing line. Tuchel is something of a philosopher, but I think a simple translation of that 
statement is, I'm not sure that Lukaku fits into the way Chelsea play. And his time at Manchester United, and particularly at Inter Milan, shows what a good goal scorer he is. But you have to build the techniques around him, in a way that perhaps Thomas Tuchel is not prepared to do so. But one player, pretty sure to feature in the Chelsea team, is Hakim Ziyech. The Moroccan has struggled for game time during this season and last season, but recently he's scored one goal in each of the last three games he's played. So a good time for him at the moment. Yeah, and uh, in the English Premier League this weekend, uh, Man City uh, away game to Everton, chance for them to extend that gap against Stuart. Last weekend and the following midweek games proved to be an amazing set of fixtures and quite a few surprises. And yes, Steve, before you mention it, just about every prediction I made was wrong. Tottenham pulled off arguably the surprise of the season, winning 3-2 at Manchester City. And remember, Tottenham also beat Manchester City in the, their home game, first game of the season. Harry Kane had arguably the game of his life, scoring twice with a third goal disallowed for offside, and Tottenham were worthy winners. And now, wasn't there a club who wanted to sign Harry Kane at the beginning of the season? Oh yes, it was Manchester City. But then, with Liverpool winning twice in five days, Manchester City now only lead Liverpool by three points. Manchester United were in a strange game at Leeds. 2-0 up, they then conceded two goals in 58 seconds before going on to win 4-2. And now, miracle of miracles, Manchester United scored from a corner. We mentioned last week that Liverpool have scored 11 goals from corners this season. And in contrast, this was Manchester United's first goal from a corner in 170 attempts. The last one, 307 days earlier. And incidentally, Ronaldo played for Manchester United at Leeds 18 years after the first time he played for Manchester United against Leeds. And then at the bottom of the table, some really significant results with Burnley beating Brighton and Tottenham. Yes, Tottenham win at Manchester City and then lose to Burnley. Watford won 1-0 at Aston Villa with their Nigerian Hornet Emmanuel Dennis scoring in the, his eighth league goal of the season. What a good buy he has been. And incidentally, this was Watford's first goal in five games, but then they lost 4-1 to Crystal Palace uh, midweek. Now, with Everton and Brentford losing, and Leeds losing twice, and for Leeds United, that's eight defeats in 11 games, and they've now conceded 56 goals in the league this season, more than any other club. And with Burnley winning twice, it means that Burnley, with games in hand, are only four points behind Newcastle, Everton, Leeds and Brentford. So none of those clubs are safe. And last Saturday, Norwich, playing away to Liverpool, took the lead and held it beyond the hour. And then Sergio Mane and Mo Salah both scored to turn the game around. And that, incidentally, was Salah's 150th goal for Liverpool in all competitions. Having failed to get in the team at Chelsea and not being an outstanding success in Italy, Liverpool were taking a risk signing Salah. How that risk has paid off. And then midweek, Liverpool beat Leeds 6-0 with five African goals. Two for Salah, two for Mane and even one for Joel Matip. 
Yeah, Liverpool really on fire there. And to the UEFA Champions League, Stuart, to Manchester United, a pretty good away draw to Atletico Madrid. Well, United didn't play particularly well at Atletico Madrid, but came away with a 1-1 draw with Anthony Erlanga, remember, son of the old uh, Cameroon international player, scoring a late equaliser. And uh, Hannibal Mebri, the 19-year-old Tunisian, was on the bench for Manchester United. So, with Chelsea beating Lille 2-0 in London, and they really only have one concern for the second leg in France, it's whether their players who aren't vaccinated will be allowed in, because French legislation requires a compelling reason for travel if you're not vaccinated. So, at the halfway stage, it really looks as if the four Premier League clubs, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, have a great chance to make the quarter-final. And it's uh, two weeks before the second leg start and some fascinating games to look forward to there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what else have we got for us, Stuart? Well, Steve, I need to tell you about Michaela Moore, who scored a so-called perfect hat-trick, that's right foot, left foot, header, playing for New Zealand women against USA. Unfortunately, it was three own goals. Oh, dear. We speculated about how Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang would do in Spain. Well, after two substitute appearances for Barcelona, he got his first start last weekend and scored three goals as Barcelona beat Valencia 4-1. Not a bad start, really. And finally, Steve, I have an odd stat for you. On Saturday, at 3pm, Arsenal beat Brentford 2-1, meaning that Arsenal have now gone unbeaten at home in 29 games, dating back to 2013, provided the games kick off on a Saturday afternoon at 3pm. Uh, really? Right, so have to keep an eye out for that then. So those Saturday 3pm games are where Arsenal have a fantastic record. Uh, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>